G'day. You're listening to The Misadventures of Bo Hogart and the Brilliant Blue-Eyed Woman. My name's Vic. Plume.com. Chapter 23. The Spatial Olympics. Enjoy. Last time on The Misadventures of Bo Hogart and the Brilliant Blue-Eyed Woman. The escalating sound of skidding tyres entered the prison house. Amy and Lena ran to the mesh-covered window. Looking through the spy hole, they saw a brand new brown Ford sedan skidding to a halt on the wrong side of the road, directly in front of their house. The Ford's front doors flew open and two dark-suited, gun-toting men wearing scorched skin and neck braces exited the vehicle. Amy and Lena turned to each other and screamed a whispered, Holy shit! Lena rushed to the kitchen bench and grabbed Slick's pistol. What'll we do? Amy asked. To the Batmobile. We'll try and make our escape in Slick's car. Wait! Amy ran to Slick's bedroom and returned with a box of bullets. Good thinking, Ames, Lena said, shoving the pistol down the front of her sweatpants and running to the interior door that led into the garage. Oh no, we don't know the code. Try the prison cell door code. Surely he wouldn't use the same code, Lena said, pressing the digits 1, 2, 3, 4. The deadlock unlocked. Oh, he really was a dumbass, Amy said. Opening the door, they snuck into the garage like two teenagers escaping their parents' house for a Saturday night party. Meanwhile, limping across the sidewalk as fast as they could, Red and Baldy looked like they'd just done ten rounds with a meth-addicted silverback gorilla armed with three baseball bats and a cheese grater. Halfway across the front lawn, they were exhausted. Hands on knees, panting like they'd just run a marathon. You'll take the back, Baldy ordered. I'll wait 30 seconds before entering. Fuck you, Mr. Hitler. I'm raspberry fucking rippled, I am. Both my bacon and eggs are damaged, and you've only got one crippled leg. You take the fucking back, he growled, immediately regretting his demand after hobbling painfully up the front steps. On reaching the front porch, Red moved to the side of the door. He counted 30 seconds, shot the door's lock, and entered the house. They're inside! Amy whispered, throwing her ass into the shotgun seat. Here, Lena said, already seated in the driver's seat, holding out Slick's pistol. Reload! Baldy shot the back door's lock repeatedly until it opened. He reloaded his pistol and rushed into the house, skillfully manoeuvring around each corner like a limping leopard. After hearing more gunfire, Amy and Lena's anxiety levels rose even higher. What are you doing? Amy whispered, her hands shaking, dropping bullets in her lap instead of into the pistol. Where's the ignition key? Lena hissed. It's not a key. What the hell are you talking about? Lena asked, waiting for the killer's barking bullets to come howling through the door at any moment. It's that black disc thing. Amy pointed to the keychain in Lena's hand. Press the disc and the car will start. But the garage door's shut. We need the remote. Oh my God. Amy said. The garage door controller. Baldy surveyed the back half of the house and found the empty warden's wardrobe. On entering the kitchen, he found Red leaning over the blood-soaked corpse of the greasy sleaze. Who's dead dancing? Baldy asked, eyeing the one-eyed corpse. I don't know, but he's dancing days are done. I checked his pockets and there's no ID, no wallet, no nothing. Just a slit in his gut and the word slick on his shirt. Did you check the front half of the house? Yes, I did, Albert Swinstein. That's how I found our recently unemployed friend lying here, didn't I? The remote isn't here, Amy said, desperately rifling through the glove compartment.
Department. I found it, Lena said, pulling the garage door controller out from under her seat. Okay, Ames, here's the plan. As soon as I see daylight, we're reversing out of here. Okay, hit it. Lena pressed the remote button and the electric motor came to life, forcing the large metallic garage door to wobble, clunk and groan as it slowly opened outward and upward. I hope this car starts, Lena said, pressing the disc, the supercharged muscle car's engine roaring like King Kong going apeshit at an Arctic Monkeys concert. The fucking garage! Baldy yelled, sprinting toward the front door. Red ran to find the interior door that led into the growling garage. Lena took her foot off the gas immediately after the engine ignited, praying the two suits hadn't heard the raucous engine's roar or the cantankerous clunk of arthritic old man garage door, who'd opened just 12 inches before stopping from exhaustion, repeatedly making a mechanical clunk, but without opening any further. Arriving at the interior door to the garage, Red aimed his pistol and blasted the chrome door lock, sending it flying out of the door like a small cannonball into the muscle car's fender, prompting Lena to take a chance on squeezing the five-foot-high muscle car through the garage door's one-foot crack. As Red burst through the interior door and Baldy approached the garage door, Lena launched the car backwards faster than a maternity ward wedding, smashing the garage door violently outward and upward, striking Baldy's retreating ass and launching him high into the air, where he involuntarily executed a superb forward pike dive with a triple somersault before spiralling downward to deliver a perfect head-first inverse three-point landing onto the roof of the brown Ford. Red looked on with pure delight, applauding the women as they sped past the Ford, shooting its front tyre and blasting Dixie from the car's air horn. As the muscle car disappeared from view, Red approached the Ford, where an unconscious Baldy was experiencing bodily convulsions, causing him to slide off the car's roof, down the windshield and along the hood, the hood ornament saving him the embarrassment of falling onto the road by sailing between his legs and catching him in the crotch. What the fuck happened? Baldy mumbled, dazed and confused, rising from the hood like Count Dracula from a coffin. You really are a fucking plonker, aren't you? Red proclaimed, displaying a three-mile smile. You know what? You just won the World High Dive Championship in an event that don't fucking exist, and you didn't even get wet. You bleeding drip. Get me off this fucking hood ornament. Baldy growled, rubbing the back of his neck brace. Red walked over and dragged him back up the hood, releasing his family jewels from the hood ornament. Let's go! Ordered the bald and battered beast, walking around in pear-shaped circles. Yeah, and thank you too, your royal lowness, Red said, still wearing a three-mile smile across his dial. Tank this! Baldy growled, grabbing his own crotch. Get moving, fuck you! They're getting away! We won't catch them now, you bleeding muppet, because we don't know where they went. Besides, they shot out one of the tyres while you were starring as Mary Ploppins. So how about you help me change the fucking tyre, then we'll see what leads we can find inside the house. Now I mean. A few minutes later, the tyre was changed. As they re-entered the kitchen, Baldy's cell phone rang. Is she there? Blurted Wallace's serious but thin and scratchy telephonic voice. There's no one here except some prick called Slick. 
What? Wallace said, sounding concerned. Yeah, but it looks like he died of a stomachache after his head came last in a game of target practice. There's an empty homemade prison cell in the back bedroom, and we're looking for leads now. Okay, hurry up and see if you can find any paperwork for the dead guy's car, or at least the license plate number, and then call me back. If the woman's managed to kill her kidnapper, there's a good chance she'll be driving his car. The phone disengaged. Yeah. I noticed you didn't tell Wallace you seen the two women escaping, did ya? Fuck him! Baldy barked, adjusting his neck brace. Great excuse, Jack. Fuck him. I'll have to remember that one. Yeah, his belligerent baldness retorted. Technically, I didn't fucking see him, did I? You limey maggot. All I saw was a garage door, so fuck you too! I'm already fucked, Jack, cause I'm working with you, innit? Red said, pulling out a drawer, emptying cutlery onto the floor. Listen here, you fuck! Baldy growled, grabbing a full milk jug, smashing it against the wall. If you hadn't done your job proper and checked the fucking garage in the first place, we'd have hold of them whores right now. Do you want I should call Wallace and tell him you're a useless son of a putana? Ah, oh, Jack, the recently world-weary Red said. Give him a call if you think it will make you feel better. I don't really give a toss. Well, toss this, you whining fuck. Wallace already dusted the dentist, and I'm not gonna be dusted next. So get fucking searching or I'll dust you my fucking self. They both fell silent and continued ripping the place apart. After a short while, Red was satisfied he couldn't be bothered searching any longer. Something was playing on his mind. Yeah, why the fuck did Wallace send us here, Jack? Red said, leaning against the kitchen bench and folding his arms. What I mean is, how did Wallace know to send us here? Oh, fucking knows. Baldy snarled, ripping out the freezer's contents. Red had a feeling Baldy was keeping something to himself. Just keep fucking searching, Baldy ordered, attempting to drag the refrigerator out of its tight alcove. Red, ignoring his partner's demand, picked up a fallen bar stool from the floor. Sitting down, he rested his foot on the slain slick, slumped at his feet, and continued. It just seems a bit sus, now I mean. Like... As soon as this human footstool, and probable kidnapper, gets stabbed and shot, Wallace somehow suddenly knows to send us here. Red looked at Baldy, still trying to drag the fridge out of the alcove. Do you not think it seems a little bit sus, Jack? Ours is not the reason why ours is but to do or fucking die. So start fucking searching or start fucking dying. I don't know, Jack. It just don't sound right. And it don't seem right that you yourself don't think it don't sound right. Now I mean... Listen, you fucking limey lounge lizard. If this dead fuck or this house has got any information that'll lead us to Miss Moneybags, then we gotta find it now. So get your fucking lazy fucking CSI fucking asshole off that fucking bar stool and get fucking looking. Fucking po-faced pillock, Red mumbled, hopping off the bar stool and picking up a box of cornflakes, pouring the contents over the kitchen floor. Baldy's cell phone rang. He looked at the screen. Keep searching, he ordered, walking out of the kitchen. It's a personal call. Sitting back on the bar stool, Red again rested his foot on the human footstool. He was beginning to regret having accepted Carl Wallace's dodgy job offer, and Baldy's seeming lack of interest regarding Red's suspicions about Wallace was making him wonder if Wallace and Baldy were in cahoots, or were Carl and Baldy out for their individual selves. Red reckoned it didn't really matter, because if either Bull Jack or Carl Wallace got their hands on the brilliant blue-eyed woman, he'd be shafted quicker than a loop 
lubricated porn star going down on a runaway elevator. And from there it was almost certain he'd be added to the dusty pile formerly known as the dentist. Hey Mutz, you rat face afonculo. Bulljack said, stepping onto the front porch. I can't talk long, I'm busy. If it was anyone else, apart from Carl Wallace, Bulljack wouldn't have answered his cell. But Mutz was boss of the Rat Pack, the old gang he and Baldy founded and once ran together, and who Baldy still did jobs with when he came across good inside information, acquired from his privileged position as a special government agent. Mutz was the closest thing Baldy had to a real friend. They'd known each other ever since they were kids. Hey Jack, you chrome-headed cunt. Mutz said. Why the brush off? What you doing? I'm on the trail of some billion dollar bitch and she just got away. A uh, Bill, you'll need any help? No, I got this one sorted myself, but I'll give you a call after I've caught and sold her ass. I got an offer that you and the rats are gonna like real good. Sounds interesting, Mutt said, taking a moment. But if you want any help in the meantime, you'll just call. A usual 50-50 split would be nice on a billion bills. Uh, that's okay. Uh, like I said, I got this one under control. I'll call you when I'm done. You're gonna love my offer. Okay, great. Buona fortuna. You roll on the older and headed stronzo. Talk soon, you rat-toothed figlio de putana. They laughed. The call ended and Baldy made his way back to the kitchen. What the fuck? Baldy growled, glaring at Red seated on the bar stool. Get looking for fucking clothes, fuck you. Yeah. Hold on a minute, Red said, feigning confusion. Did you not just go outside and take a personal fucking phone call? Or have you become confused by all the planet's satellite beams mistaking your head for a fucking dish? Get back to work, you fucking lazy-ass good-for-nothing piece of limey shit! Baldy barked, sending the empty fridge crashing down into the forest of refuse strewn over the floor. Red stared in disgust at his greedy, gold-fevered partner. Uh, y'all are so... Fucking stupid. What you fucking call me? Baldy said, reaching inside his jacket for his pistol. I never said nothing. Red said, more concerned about hearing voices than he was by Baldy's threat. Get your stinking paw off me, you damned dirty douche. Sweet bleeding Jesus. Red said, looking down at the bloodied zombie under his foot, falling backward off the stool and onto the floor. Oh, who the hell are you guys? Dumbest and dumber. It's alive! Roared a rattled Red, leaping to his feet and pulling out his pistol. Don't shoot! Baldy bellowed. He might have information about the woman. Cautiously, they approached the blood-spattered body and knelt beside it. Yeah, sorry about resting my foot on you before, Gov. Red said. I thought you were brown bread. Well, if brown bread means dead... Slick groaned. So did I. You look about as healthy as a shit sandwich. What happened, me old son? I was shot in the head five times. Slick rolled off his side and onto his back, coughing up a bunch of brilliant blood-red bubbles. How the fuck did you survive five bullets to the fucking head? Baldy asked. Just lucky, I guess. Plus, I'm wearing a Kevlar wig. Too bad you didn't wear one on your auntie Nelly, Red said, watching blood ooze from Slick's belly. Yeah, well, Slick slurred. If my mama had warned me that women could be so cruel, I'd have worn a Kevlar gorilla costume. Now listen, I don't know how long I got left, but I don't want those two skanks running free while I'm rotting away here. So do me a favor and catch the blue-haired one. She's worth a fortune and kill that blonde. Hell, kill them both. Sure, Baldy said. Where are they? I don't know, Slick said, breathing out his words. They've taken my car. 
The license plate details and everything else you need to know was with the contents of that third drawer you emptied out all over the fucking floor. That was you! Baldy growled accusingly, eyeballing red. I checked everything. You must have missed it. I didn't fucking miss nothing because I'm not a lazy fucking limey layabout. Red turned to slick. It was this bald prick who didn't check it properly, wasn't it, Gov? Pig's fucking ass, you cunt! Baldy bellowed. Good thinking, Jack. Maybe it's up your pig's fucking ass. Shut the fuck up, you dopey fucking douches. <laughs> Slick groaned, a bloodied cough spewing up into the air and raining down over his face like a Jackson Pollock painting entitled Life Source. My car is fitted with a tracking device. He continued grimacing as his stomach spasmed, blood gushing from the wound like warm maple syrup. Get the paperwork off the kitchen floor. It'll tell you how you can track my car. Okay, uh, who are you working for? Baldy asked. I never knew my employer. <laughs> The terminally sick slick wheezed. We communicated through texts and emails. <coughs> but he must be one powerful dude because somehow he got me off death row. He paid me good bucks to work as a bartender and to romance that blue-haired bitch into his closet prison cell. I was gonna get a bunch of fucking money, but all I ended up with was one mill and a second asshole in my gut. Oh. When I think about it, I was actually my employer's prisoner too, but it was a whole lot sweeter than death row. <coughs> Slick coughed up more bloody bubbles. That's all I know, so go find them murdering whores and give them my regards. <coughs> Are you sure that's all you know? Baldy asked. Yeah, that's all I know, replied the dismissive Slick, fast losing interest along with his blood. Now think very hard, Baldy said. Are you sure that's all you know? Oh, for fuck's sake, Slick said, grimacing with pain. That's all I know. I'm done. No, you're not done yet, Baldy said, removing Slick's Kevlar wig, standing up and methodically firing bullet after bullet into Slick's brain, smirking more and more after each shot. Now you're fucking done. What the fuck is your problem, you walnut-headed freak? Said Red, disgusted at the sight of his partner's twisted pleasure. I don't have no fucking problem, you fucking orangutan-headed cockroach. Baldy said, turning his gun and cold eyeballs on Red. But I can easy give you a fucking problem. Red considered reaching for his gun, but his ego wasn't stupid enough to push it. Yeah, you shouldn't be wasting bullets, Jack. Red said, angling his way out of a situation he couldn't have won anyway. Oh, it wasn't a waste, asshole, said a belligerent baldy, still smirking, returning his pistol to its holster. I enjoyed it. Well then, let's find this fucking paperwork. At last, we are in a fucking agreement. Getting down on the floor, they dug through the spilled cornflakes, milk and sugar like a couple of human breakfast spoons. There, I found it, Red said, standing up and placing some paperwork on the kitchen bench. Find out how it works, Baldy said, impatient, making his way to the bench. What the fuck do you think I'm doing, you fucking Burke? What did you fucking call me, you fucking... Shut the fuck up, you fucking cereal pest, Red said, knowing Baldy was a technophobe who needed him for things like working the tracking device and any other technical matters that might arise in his quest for the billion-dollar scientist. You know what? You're as fucking useful as a screen door on a fucking submarine, you are, he added, looking back at the paperwork. And the sooner you shut your fucking hole, the sooner I can find where the fucking woman is. All right? 
Baldy's face and neck flushed with anger-fueled scarlet and crimson, but he shut his mouth while Red worked on the problem at hand. Here we go, Red said, pleased with himself. I figured this fucker out. Dial this number into your... What's the number? Baldy said, flipping open his phone. Dial triple five, where are you? Red answered. What the fuck? Baldy said, reluctantly handing his phone to Red, who navigated through the technical procedures and recorded prompts. Baldy watching on like a drooling dog wanting to be thrown a chip. I got the coordinates, Red said. So where the fuck are the women? Okay, Red said, calmly re-reading the instructions. Now we just need a map to line up the car's coordinates. The maps are in the car, let's go. Uh, Hang on a minute, Red said, reading the instructions further. It says here we can follow the car's location in real time using the internet on me dog and bone. I just need to download an app first. Baldy couldn't hold his impatience. Well, why the fuck don't we just... Be patient, Red commanded, waiting for the app to download. There we go. He pressed the cell's keypad. See this icon moving along the map here? He turned, showing Baldy. That's their car. They're on Highway 15, heading northeast, about two miles out of Moapa. It says we're 50 minutes behind him. Not for fucking long. Baldy limped out the door toward the Ford. You drive! Red slowly made his way to the car. He'd lost interest in catching the amazing Amazonian women, and he'd rather comb his eyeballs with a rusty potato peeler than spend any more time in the car with a hairless critter that looked, smelled, and acted like it crawled out of a dirty crack in a graveyard at midnight. Come on, fuck ya! Baldy said, already waiting in the shotgun seat. Red started the car and drove away as enthusiastically as a pregnant nun driving to church on a Sunday. Faster! Baldy said flicking open his cell and fingering the keypad. Talk to me, Wallace said. Uh, turns out that slick dude was still breathing. He said the woman took his car and it's got a tracking device fitted to it. Turns out they're about one hour ahead of us. Did he say anything else? Wallace asked, sounding concerned. No, said Baldy, pausing for a moment. He passed away very quickly after that. Too bad, Wallace said. Now hear this. Do not hurt the woman or you'll feel a whole pile of pain. Of course, we will comply. Your Ford has a tracking device too, Wallace warned. So stick to the plan and we'll all have a happy ending. Do not get any bright ideas, Jackal. You'll have a mountain come down on you. No problem, boss. I'm not that stupid. We should have the woman secured by uh, morning at the latest. Well, we'll see, won't we, Jack? The phone disengaged. Drive fucking faster, fuck you! Baldy barked, releasing a silent, sulfurous waft. Red gagged while hurriedly opening his window. Speeding through North Las Vegas, away from the setting sun, Red switched on the car's headlights and stared ahead. The future looked grim, but the present smelled even grimmer. In news just in, author Vic Plume was injured today while performing a voiceover at an Alcoholics Anonymous archery tournament. Some disturbed viewers may find the following news story amusing. Rolling! You have now reached the end of Chapter 23. Hey!